Hi, and welcome to episode 183 of the Dying to Ask podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. A couple of show notes first. We are kicking off this season, season nine, with a series where we do a deep dive, to borrow from a very overused business buzzword, into all kinds of different things. For January and February, we're focusing on health and wellness with the idea that if you want to go after anything goal-wise, how you feel mentally and physically ultimately determines how you actually act. So in the last couple of weeks, we've looked at things like four ways to make fitness habits stick. That was our episode last week, which by the way, went top 100 in Japan in self-help. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Influencing the streets of Tokyo. Love that. Why activity snacks, those little 10-minute movement breaks in a day are so powerful in impacting health, mental, and physical. We also did an episode on the concept of singular focus, that idea of getting more done by just doing one thing at a time. And today we're talking about something that is essential to a good life, but not giving it the attention it deserves is something that's incredibly common by a lot of people, including me. We're talking about sleep, so elusive. I have been working early morning news like since the dawn of time, like my entire career. (laughs) I'm a morning warrior, a prophet of O-Dark 30. Last fall, I did an episode about how to wake up early, even if you're not a morning person. In that episode, we focused on the mechanics of waking up. So things like what kind of alarms you can use to the mental games you can play to get yourself out of bed. Today, we're going to continue with that topic, but we're looking at the neurological reasons of why it's difficult to wake up feeling decent. If you're a data geek, this is proof that the key to waking up alert and not feeling like death tomorrow lies in what you do today. On this time to ask three lifestyle habits you need to be your best every morning. Have you ever wondered how did they do that? I do all the time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and Dying to Ask is the podcast that gets me off a TV news set and into candid conversations with authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and influencers I have been dying to talk to. Soak up the motivation that comes from learning how other people live their lives, how they take an idea or a goal, they follow through, and they pull it off. And maybe along the way, I'll get some answers to questions you've been dying to ask. I am a pretty fortunate person when it comes to falling asleep. I just don't set aside enough hours to sleep. But when it comes to trying to fall asleep, I fall asleep in seconds. People find it super, super annoying. But whether it's from a chronic lack of sleep or it's just my party trick, I can typically fall asleep within about a minute or so. But at least two nights a year on average, I have total insomnia and I end up heading into work on little if any sleep. Seriously, one night I remember I showed up for work on 11 minutes of sleep. I actually knew that I'd slept 11 minutes and I did okay the next day. (laughs) But I I had one of those nights this week on Monday. I had gotten kind of annoyed about something and I just, for whatever reason, I couldn't sleep and I stewed on it all night long. Just the worst, right? Got about three hours of sleep. I showed up for work for a six hour morning show and it just is the worst feeling. It really is because in my business, you just worry about ending up on YouTube doing something dumb and going viral. I really do. So I had to use all my focus hacks until I could get home and crawl into bed and hit that reset. Now, that said, I've been thinking about doing this episode. And so I kind of took some notes during my day of no sleep 
to see what was it I was doing trying to get through the day since I wasn't feeling that great. So things I had to keep doing, constantly bringing back my focus. I had to walk outside to make myself a little bit more alert, get that cold air on my face. I drank some extra water, which, you know, made me get up more frequently if you get my drift. Um, But I also noticed as I looked for the negatives, I was struggling to remember words sometimes. You know, that, that brain fog that comes in when you're really tired, that brain fog was definitely creeping in. I'll admit I was a little cranky. I was super carby hungry, (laughs) wanting like crackers or something. So none of this is terribly surprising. Um, For me, again, kind of a fluke. I don't have nights like that very often, thank goodness. But a lot of people have nights like that where they don't sleep well at all. And, And sleep is a real, real issue. So there's some new research out from UC Berkeley that shows that one of the reasons people wake up and they don't have good energy and they feel foggy headed could be because of things they did the day before, not the morning of. There's a researcher, Raphael Vallad, out at UC Berkeley. He was the first author on this study, and you can read it in the show notes, but I'm gonna tell you right now, this is a true academic study. It's super scholarly, it is not a Colleen Hoover novel, Um, but if you wanna read through it and see what Raphael came up with, (laughs) you can read through the nitty gritty of the academic study. So Raphael worked alongside a guy named Matthew Walker. Now Matthew Walker, you might recognize his name. He's a UC Berkeley professor of neuroscience, And he wrote a book that has become very popular, and it actually changed my life. It's called Why We Sleep. How did it change my life? Well, he did what no other doctor has been able to convince me of for decades. And that is, through his research, as I read it, and as I listened to it as as well on an audiobook, he convinced me that not sleeping a lot is not a superpower, as I have always thought it was. I thought I was just, you know, a little bit better than the others, that I could get by on no sleep. Nope. It's actually pretty dumb to not prioritize sleep. In the long term, it is not good for your health. So these two teamed up with some other neurosmarties in Europe, and they studied the results of uh, many, many people over two weeks, okay? Hundreds of people. And here are the things that these people had in common, had, what they had them do. All of them ate breakfast. They all wore smart watches to record how much they moved in a day. They tracked their sleep, they tracked what they ate, and then they tracked how alert they were the next day. And just to even this thing out, they even added some twins into the study so that you can mitigate the impact of genetics, right? So some people have good genes and for whatever reason can get away with not sleeping a lot. They wanted to know how did they wake up? They had to record, did you feel rested? How did you feel mentally? And so... There were three things that these researchers came up with that they discovered if they happened the day before, people tended to wake up the next day feeling pretty good. So my co-anchor Brandy Cummings and I had a chance to interview Raphael Vallat, a French researcher, recently. And it was a really great, quick conversation, but he came up with three things that we can all do today to improve how we feel tomorrow morning. Here's that interview. Do you wake up feeling like you just want to go back to bed? Yes. Only every morning. (laughs) And if so, you are not alone. We're not alone, Deirdre. A new study from UC Berkeley demonstrates how to wake up every morning without feeling sluggish. Okay, I've been waiting for this for about (laughs) 23 years on this shift. So we're joined this morning by one of the researchers who worked on the study, Raphael Vailat. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
Hi, of course. Okay, so what time did you go to bed and what time did you get up? Let's <laughs> let's start with you. Oh, with, with me? Yes. Yeah, I'm more of a 10, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. kind oh, of guy. Nice, good for you, eight hours. Okay, big takeaways from the study are that there are a couple things you do the day before that will likely determine how refreshed you feel the next morning. What are those things? Yeah, exactly. So there are three things in this study that we've identified where uh, predictive of how alert and how refreshed you're going to wake up on the next morning. The first thing is the amount of physical activity and exercise that you do. So the amount of physical activity you do today is going to have an impact on how alert you are tomorrow. And specifically, the more physical activity you do, the more refreshed, the more alert you're going to feel tomorrow. The second factor was sleep, which I know sounds kind of obvious, but what we showed is that if you sleep more and if you sleep later in the morning, you're going to feel more, more alert, more refreshed when you wake up. And the third thing that I think sounds a little bit less obvious perhaps is what you eat for breakfast and specifically the macronutrient composition of your breakfast. And so here what we found is that you want to uh, you want to consume a breakfast that's rich in carbohydrates uh, with moderate amount of fat and protein. And by contrast, what we, what we found is that when you consume a breakfast that's very high in protein or very high in sugar, you're essentially going to have a sugar crash mm. and you're not going to feel alert at all in the, in the next hours following this uh, breakfast. So Raphael, who did you guys research? How did you go about getting this data? Yeah, so we followed um, hundreds of individuals uh, over two weeks and we measured their physical activity, we measured their sleep, we measured what they ate uh, for breakfast, and we even measured their blood glucose response, so they had like a continuous glucose monitor. Uh, and one thing I didn't mention is that we also clearly show that when you have spikes in your blood glucose after breakfast, uh, you're going to feel so sluggish and groggy right. and sleepy. So you want to avoid the types of food with very high glycemic index that will uh, make you feel, you know, this way, very sleepy. Okay, so listen, um, Raphael, we're going to turn this around to us because we do shift work. Mm -hmm. So 10 oh, to 6 yeah. sounds lovely but completely unrealistic for us. Is there any hope for people who work odd hours or have other pulls on their life that might not allow them to get eight hours like that? Yeah, so in this study, what we showed is that the effect of physical activity, sleep, and the breakfast were independent. So in other words, these are free levers that you can pull to try and maximize your alertness. And so, you know, if sleep right now, like sleeping longer or sleeping later in the morning is not really an option for you, then I would say just try to focus on these two other areas, right? Okay. Just try to focus on doing more physical activity and maybe changing your breakfast a little bit. And that will help. That That's will help for sure. I interview a lot of doctors and researchers. There are very few that can do what Raphael just did, which is take these really complex ideas and break them into really easy to understand layman's terms. And, and here's where he really impressed me. He was not doing it in his native language. That's incredible, isn't it? To be able to do that. Incredible. Anyway, my big takeaways from Raphael's work about sleep. Number one, you got to get substantial exercise each day. If you have one of those days where you're sitting at a desk all day, chances are you may not sleep as well that night and the next day may be rough. So get out, get some movement into the day. Two, sleep begets sleep. You may think 
like I do, that six hours and you're good to go. But what are you like with seven hours? What would you be like with eight hours? I'm pretty sure I could solve the world's problems with nine hours, even though that's not going to happen anytime soon. But maybe it's time to investigate how much sleep do you really need? And you might have to do that by going to bed an hour earlier or letting that alarm go an extra hour and just see what happens. And then number three, breakfast, complex carbs. I wasn't even sure exactly what that meant. So I did a search. And if you do a search on complex carb breakfasts, you will find all kinds of Pinterest pages where people have pinned great recipes and pictures. Overnight oats came up repeatedly. There are a variety of things, but maybe it's worth shaking it up. A lot of us eat the same breakfast every single day. Maybe try something from one of those complex carb lists and just see how you feel. It's time now for What I'm Listening To, where I share a podcast that really spoke to me this week that I think you might enjoy as well. And this, I think, plays into our Get Your Life Together theme that we have going on the show right now. Check out a podcast called This Organized Life. I'm new to this one, but I really like it. It's hosted by a woman named Lori Palau, and she's the creator of a company called Simply Be Organized, just the letter B in the middle of that. And her company helps you declutter so that you can work smarter. But the podcast, this is where I think it gets really interesting. The podcast actually links how decluttering impacts all the aspects of your life, everything from your efficiency to even your relationships. So a lot of psychology to how we live and what we choose to live with. I really enjoyed a recent one she did on kitchen organizing. And I found myself moving things in drawers while I was listening to it. <laughs> it's like a paint by numbers. I will link it in the show notes if you'd like to go check it out. Next week's episode is going to be about water. We're looking into that trend of giant water bottles. They are on desks. Is it just me? They're on desks everywhere where I work. We'll be talking to a sports doc about how much water do you really need in a day? You see a lot of this on social media where people will tell you, take your weight, divide it by two, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's going to actually break it down like, why do we need water? Like, really, why do you need water? And how much do you really need? And, and what's legit about the impact it can have on your health? If I sold Stanley water bottles for a living right now, I'd be a little worried about what he says. We'll see you next time on the Dying Desk Podcast.